Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of having Anthony Marjulis here. He is the founder of Amalfi Estates. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you having me on the phone. Brilliant. So I'm so excited to talk to you because you made the transition about 15 years ago from being just a general realtor to kind of specialize in you know, luxury homes. So what was going on at that point that made you decide to make that shift? Yeah, good question. We actually were buyers only, which is a really unique. We are exclusive buyers agents, so we did not take listings. Uh, the company was called AM Realty at the time, and we basically went through a, a rebranding process. Um, you know, like like anything, change happens, and it's a little hard and and challenging and scary. Uh, one of my top agents had actually left our. Uh, said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be leaving our firm unless you start taking listings because you're turning away a lot of business. Uh, we referred out almost $100 million in, in listing referrals. Um, did, did, did not ask for a referral fee because I, ethically I wanted to refer to other agents without having a monetary uh, compensation behind it. Um, and then with that agent leaving our firm, it kind of gave me the impetus to say, hey, look, let's expand our services, rebrand in the luxury market space. So we rebranded from AM Realty to Amalfi Estates and we did new logos and new marketing. Uh, basically everything in our entire company was rebranded uh, and it was probably the best decision we've ever done. So there had to be, uh, like you said, change is scary for a lot of people. So certain members of your team probably said, you know, this is a great idea. We want to do it at a superficial level, but on a practical kind of internal level, that may not have been the case. So did you have some team members that needed more handholding than others? We, yeah, we did. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think when you give people more data, they seem to feel a lot more comfortable with it um, and explain, you know, the benefits. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a high C, if, if you know that you, you must be familiar with the disc assessment being in your, in your business. But. I slipped my disc, but yes, yes, I am familiar. <laughs> what did you say about the disc? You split it? I slipped it, you know, a, a back joke. It. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I'm, I'm more of an analytical, uh, more of a data guy, which is unusual in real estate. Most real estate are very social, very outgoing. I just happen to love a lot of uh, stats, charts, and numbers, so... Uh, I, I'm always good about finding the data, and I think that helped transition transition the team over. But, I mean, one of the things that was hard was we made a conscious effort to really focus on on the luxury. And so that would mean, in some ways, turning down business on the entry level, or maybe it was uh, uh, low-end rentals or, um, you know, just things in different price points because we really wanted to be the specialist with the luxury uh, marketplace. And it takes time to, to build that, um, you know, by rebranding and, and marketing and, you know, the clothes you wear and the cars you drive and the, you know, we joined charity boards and we joined um, just a lot of different local events. There's a polo tournament and uh, we started different golf tournaments. So it was really just a conscious effort to 
really focus on a, on a higher end price range and, and really be intentional about it. One of the things that's kind of interesting is uh, a lot of realtors that get a certain level of success find themselves, you know, hey, I need to get a team together. And one of the things you'd mentioned earlier in our conversation was a lot of realtors are very kind of social people, people, but they don't make good CEOs because a lot of CEOs are, you know, get to the facts. Here's the data. Here's what we need to do. So in the generalities, people that lead companies can see further past the horizon and they're very driven by the data. And that's kind of describes you. So your thoughts on just general real estate firms, when you get someone that decides they want to build a team and they build a team and they get a certain level of success, but don't reach the levels they should. Any thoughts on that comment? It's a really, uh, you, you nailed it. <laughs> um, you know, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And I think that the sign of a, of a good leader is to bring in people that complement your skill set. So we brought in in the last six months a director of sales and operations, and he's amazing. He's built up other teams. And right now, uh, we, we currently right now have a team of, um, well, before he joined us, we had a team of five, we call them sales partners rather than agents on our team because they're allowed to work with buyers and they also work with sellers and take listings. But our goal is to hire 20 additional sales partners and we've hired four and we're averaging about one a month. And he's nice. been a part of that uh, process because his skill set is so well suited to that. And I knew that wasn't that really wasn't my specialty. So Anthony, every company on planet Earth has a culture, whether they realize it or not. And many of the cultures are hostile or complacent or not what they wanted to be, regardless of what they have written on the wall. So how would you describe the culture you've built before, you know, when you were just like a five-person team? How would you describe that? And more importantly, how are you going to make sure that you kind of uh, maintain that culture as you grow? Because as you grow, that becomes a challenge. Yeah, great, great question. Uh, we hired a business coach um, about five years ago, and they help us put together core values, which we actually have on the wall of our office, really large letters. And our core values is really what we live by. And, and what our coach is always telling us is you really hire and you fire by your core values. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing because you, once someone really breaks one core value, they really break probably half, if not more of them. So, you know, our core values, for example, are take responsibility for your actions and be exceptional and create amazing client experiences and carry yourself professionally at all times and make a positive impact in the community. So if someone, for example, you know, isn't being honest or, or if they do something that's in the detriment of the client, they're breaking several of our core values. So it's very easy, you know, if we're trying to make a decision, even if it's a top producer, I've had some really, really... Um, strong life learning lessons. I had to let one of our top uh, real estate producers go because they were in violation of our core values. And it set, a, it set a model, an example for the team, Umar, that it said to them, look, even though how much money this person's bringing in, they're your top salesperson, but they're in violation of your core values. Your core values supersede any financial gain that you're getting from, from your company. Anthony, let me kind of probe here a little bit, if I may. The core values you described, all amazing. Like who other than Satan would say, you know, they're really bad values. Like pretty much everyone would say, oh my God, that's amazing. I want that. Fear statement? I, I, yes. 
I believe so. <laughs> and there's going to be some people that really embrace it and live and breathe it. So how do you get those core values that everybody looking at it on a wall would say, yeah, that's pretty amazing. But how do you get it instilled in their being so they actually live it and breathe it? Because there is like a bridge that needs to be crossed. Yeah. So a couple things. One, these aren't core values that I dictated as the owner of the company. These are core values that were created as a whole team. And so they have ownership of these core values. We also read these core values at each of our Monday meetings. And we also have one sales partner pick one of those core values that another team member has and has demonstrated that week. So it's not them talking about themselves. Look how acceptable That is me applauding you, Anthony. That is awesome because I think that getting one team member to recognize something real and capturing that story becomes a living, breathing uh, manifestation of those values that makes it real for your team. So good for you. Yeah. And then, and Umar, one of the things that we do, we really, we look for people, agents that are, and most important, that are coachable, that are humble, and that are hungry. Because what so we let's found, back up. Uh, I'm going to stop you right there, if I may. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. How do you figure out someone's coachable? We go through a, a very detailed interview process. So we have a, a four-step interview process. And, and one of the steps in the interview process is going through questions that would lead us to, to find out if they're, if they're really coachable. Um, because I think somebody who basically, like every day I'm learning. I've done this for almost 30 years. I've helped a 1,000 clients. I've sold close to $2 billion in real estate. And every single day I'm you know, searching and, and you know, yearning for, for new knowledge about real estate, about people, about how to improve. And, and a lot of times you get a new person who's been in real estate a couple of years and they almost have a know-it-all attitude. And those aren't the yes. type of people that, we, that, that really resonate with our company. Um, we, we want the ones that are going to be humble and, uh, and not have e- check their ego at the door. Brilliant. And, you know, my highest value is learning cool stuff. That just uh, turns me on big time. It's great, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's like I can't wait to tell everybody. And I'm sure some of my friends get tired. All right, enough. Chill. Take a chill pill. I bet you read a lot of of books and listen to a lot of uh, podcasts. Yeah. So, Anthony, it's one of the things you mentioned was, you know, we had our team, we had a consultant, we really thought about who we were and what we wanted to do. And we came up with these values. And the reason they're following those is, you know, they came up with it, they are invested in it. But now you're looking for new people to join your team. And there's a set of issues come up when you have 20 people or 30 people. And uh, any thoughts on how would you know things aren't going exactly as you want? Like what are the early warning signs you'd look for that we need to do something? So because we're really big on the metrics, we're really big on benchmarks, we're really big on accountability. And so we have daily role plays. We have nice. um, we set up a certification system. I believe one of the only companies around that has set this up. So um, it's, it's all been branded and, and done internally where we have a certification system. Uh, one is a certification system uh, for getting online leads and we have it's a rating system, you know, so all the calls are recorded and how was their presentation? And how was their did they uh, go and ask about the motivation? Did they ask about the location? How was their uh, customer service score? And we rate and rank that and they have to have a certain score for them to be allowed to talk to the online leads. And we also have a certification system set up 
for the first meeting with the client. And we have a certification for writing an offer and for open houses. Now, we can't do open houses right now because of COVID. It's been canceled for six months, <laughs> but once we do, and then we have a certification system for listings because the thought was, you know, it's great. They get a real estate license and, and you do role plays and you pay all this money for leads and, and you give it to these agents, but you don't know where in the process that maybe they're, they're, they're missing out on. And, and so Brilliant. the certification system has been incredibly uh, beneficial to, uh, to strengthen our systems. I love it. I'm not sure if you saw this in the announcement from Amazon uh, last week, I think, for the new products they're bringing out. One of the devices they were launching was this uh, drone for within your house that patrols your house looking for problems. And if an intruder comes, it confronts them. It's not menacing, but it's taking uh, video footage of them. And did you come across that at all? I did not, but it sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it does sound cool. And I was wondering if that would be great for realtors. It's like, we're going to release your drone, Mr. Uh, you know, Prospect, and I'll have my drone there, and we'll actually see the house together as we go down yeah. without spreading COVID. Yeah, I'm a little big brother, Amar, but it does, Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does sound pretty cool. Anthony, one of the things that really impressed me about uh, what you're doing is certainly, you know, talk is cheap and making money is, you know, important. But one of the things that you've been doing for a while now is giving 10% back to charities that need it. Uh, what brought that on and how do you get your team to embrace it? Yeah, thank you for asking. That's really been a corridor to our company. And, uh, you know, when, when we interview people, you know, a lot of agents will ask, what is your commission split? First question. And the yes. question I always answer back is it's not so much your commission split, it's what you really take home, one. And then two, it's really you know giving back to the community. And, and what we found is a lot of millennials and a lot of Generation Z, really, it's so, so important, especially with the environment and what's going on in the world today, to be part of something bigger than themselves. And so we've about five years ago, we started, actually six years ago now, started giving back and we actually hired a, a charitable business consultant and put together a business plan and picked a charity from each major component. So we have one for kids, Make-A-Wish, we have one for pets, we have one for uh, health, American Cancer Society, we have one for uh, local, uh, which is Homeboy Industries. Um, and so we have five, really five different ones in each category. We're starting an environmental one. Uh, to give back to, to the environment. And um, we let our client pick. And, you know, it's been, it's not easy. I mean, 10% is a lot of money. And, and the average, average real estate agent in the country gives probably about 50 to $75 per transaction. Our firm gives on average about 7,000. And so it's, it's a big commitment. It's significant. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but we really believe in it. And, and to know that, that we've helped, you know, we, we approximately, um, in addition to, to the 100 families a year we help selling homes, we also help an additional 250 families through the charitable giving. And um, it's just so, it's almost selfish because you feel so good by helping these charities. Uh, it's, I don't want to say uh, it's self-serving, but you feel so amazing helping. So helping. I heard this thing the other day, Anthony, that... I just loved hearing it. This was the quote or the thought. Let's say you were saying this to your significant other. The love I give you is secondhand because I get to feel it first. I love that. 
isn't it? And that's kind of what you're describing is the act of giving really gives ourselves such a great gift. So I wanted to share this thought with you that just blew me away. We were talking about learning stuff. I was uh, doing a podcast with a gentleman who runs a university degree in sales, being professional salespeople. And he was talking about this next generation of kids coming into his class. And I was thinking a bunch of entitled lazy SOBs is what I was thinking. And he was saying, and he goes, Oh, these kids are totally amazing and they're like super hardworking. They don't take anything for granted. And he's just describing this creature and it's like, wait a minute, pause right there. What do you mean? Why is this happening? He said that when we had the financial crash in 2007, 2008, these kids were seven or eight years old at a very kind of place that's impressionable. And what that did was that they were seeing their parents losing jobs. They were losing their homes. And they got a depression era mentality that is like, I don't take anything for granted. I'm not entitled. You got to work hard. You got to make it happen. And the reason I share that with you and the listeners is that's an unexpected outcome because their older siblings were older and didn't get impacted in the same way. They weren't that impressionable. The younger ones were too young, but there was that band of people that went through that just turned out to be super strong, super powerful. And the question I have for you is this. What do you think is going to happen to our kids that are six, seven, eight, going through the pandemic and going through this experience? And one of the theories I have is there is a lot of hardship. But there's also family dinner time and family's important. So I wonder what that outcome is going to be. Any thoughts? No, it's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I think every hardship uh, strengthens people. And I think, you know, for a long time there, whether it's you call them helicopter moms or parents that are overly protective trying to fix their kids' problems. You know, with the yes. cell phone now, they can pick up the phone and anytime there's an issue, they can call their parents and say, how do I fix that or fix it for me? And so, you know, my hope is, is with things that, that are difficult or challenging, it really is a sign of, you know, we're all going to get knocked down, whether it's a job or whether it's school or whether it's a relationship. And the trick is, is how you recover from those obstacles. And, and, and really, hopefully with the pandemic, it's taught a lot of people to be resilient and, and the importance of non-material things, hopefully, and, and more family things. Um, you know, I, I think my, my hope, <laughs> I see a lot of our clients, you know, they want bigger yards for, for their kids and they want, you know, things that really are more related to their family. And they picked up more hobbies and they've, you know, things that, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to translate into a better family life. Brilliant. Anthony, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm looking forward to our next. Thank you. Thanks, Umar. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 